0: Come, come run, come, come on, come in on. chickens. Um, Today is going to be my last story from the New Testament for this year. We made it all the way to the end of the book of Acts, which is actually perfect timing because all of this, most of the scriptures after this point are um, different letters from different apostles, and they contain a lot of doctrine and really important things for um, you to know, but not so many stories. So hopefully um, you've been learning a lot about the doctrine and the different teachings from the apostles in uh, in primary and at home, especially from your parents. Um, and there really isn't anything the, uh, that the apostles taught that Jesus didn't teach himself. So a lot of what is in the letters From the apostles is a lot of what Jesus taught when he was on the earth. So I am going to begin my last story for the year. So do you remember that during our last story, Paul was taken and beaten by a group of mean Jews in Jerusalem? And that the Roman chief captain allowed him to speak to these Jews? Well, I'm going to tell you what he said to them. But first, I want you to think about what you might say to someone or a group of people who had beaten you up and hurt you so badly that you couldn't walk. How do you think you would feel towards them? I think I would probably really angry and probably not want to say anything kind to them. Well, let's now listen to what Paul said to the Jews. He said, Everyone listen to me. I am a Jew from Tarsus, which is a city in Cilicia, far north of here. I studied here in Jerusalem and was taught by Gamaliel and was taught the law of Moses perfectly. And I followed God's commandment with great energy, just like you guys. In fact, I was so certain that the way I was living was the right way and the correct way. And I was so certain of this that... Anyone who lived and believed differently than me, I would have tied up and put in a prison. I captured men and women all the time, and the high priest can even tell you that these things are true. Well, one day on my way to Damascus to capture even more people who believed in Jesus, a great light appeared above me and I fell to the ground, and I heard the Lord's voice himself ask me why I was persecuting him. Jesus Christ himself was speaking to me, and everyone with me saw the light, but they couldn't hear the voice of the Lord like I could. I asked him what he wanted me to do, and he told me to go into Damascus where I would get more instructions. The light from this vision was so bright that I couldn't see anything at all afterwards, and so the men with me had to lead me into the city. When I got there, a righteous man named Ananias came and blessed me to give me my sight back. And from that moment i could see again ananias told me that god had chosen me to do his will and that i should listen to what he wanted me to do ananias said you must be a witness to everyone you meet of all that you have seen and heard now be baptized and wash your sins away and call upon Jesus' name for forgiveness well i did just that and then i traveled back to jerusalem And when I was in the temple praying one day, I fell into a trance and had a vision, and I saw the Lord speak to me. And he said, Quick, Paul, get out of Jerusalem, because the Jews here won't listen to the things you have to say about me. And I said, Lord, they know that I captured and beat and threw into prison all the people who believed in you. I even watched your disciple Stephen be killed with stones after he testified of you, and I approved of it. And then the Lord said to me, You need to leave. I will send you to teach my gospel to the Gentiles. So I did as I was told, and I traveled to the Gentiles and taught them all that I knew about Jesus Christ. Well, up to this point, the Jews had listened to Paul quietly. But when he started talking about the Gentiles and teaching the gospel to them, they raised their voices and said loudly, This man needs to die! They got so upset that they took off their coats and started to throw dust into the air, which were Jewish behaviors that showed their disgust and dislike for someone or something. The chief captain saw their response to Paul and decided to bring him back into the military barracks to be scourged. Do you remember who else was once scourged? Yep, it was Jesus. It was a very, very cruel thing to do to someone. Well, while Paul was being tied up to be scourged, he asked the centurion next to him, Is it right, according to your law, to scourge a man who is a Roman without taking him to trial? This question surprised the centurion, so he went to the chief captain and said, Be careful what you do with this man since he is a Roman. And the chief captain asked Paul, what? Are you really a Roman citizen? And Paul said, yes, I am. You see, according to Roman law at the time, a Roman citizen couldn't be tortured and then questioned. They had to be questioned first or put on trial first. Well, the chief captain said, I bought my Roman freedom with a lot of money. And Paul said, I didn't need to buy mine. You see, I was born a free Roman citizen. This was enough information for the chief captain to realize that what he was doing was illegal, so he untied Paul. He then asked all the Jewish high priests and council members to come and judge Paul so that he could discover what exactly he was doing that was causing such trouble from the Jewish people. Well, Paul looked earnestly at all the men who had gathered to listen to them, and then he began to speak first, and he said, Men and brothers, I have been a righteous man before God until this very day. And the high priest Ananias commanded the people standing close to Paul to hit him on his mouth. This was illegal. According to their law, no one could be punished until they had been found guilty, and they hadn't decided that about Paul yet. Oh, poor, poor Paul. Does this illegal trial remind you of someone else who was treated illegally by the Jewish leaders? Well, after he was hit, Paul said, God will smite you, you white wall. You're seriously sitting there pretending to judge me according to the law? And then you command someone to hit me, which is against the law? And the men around him gasped and said, oh, you Dare disrespect God's high priest? You see, Paul hadn't realized that Ananias was the high priest. So he said, oh, I didn't know that he was the high priest. Sorry, I know that it is written that we should not speak evil about our rulers. Well, as Paul looked at the group of men there to judge him, he realized that some of them were Pharisees and some of them were Sadducees. And he remembered that the Pharisees and Sadducees disagreed with each other about whether or not resurrection was a real thing. He realized that he could get them to argue with each other and not focus so much on him. So he said, listen to me, I am a Pharisee and my father was a Pharisee and I believe in the resurrection, which is why the people are trying to capture me. Well, you can maybe imagine what happened next. The Pharisees and the Sadducees started to argue about the resurrection and the Pharisees began to defend Paul and said, there's nothing wrong with this man. If an angel or spirit has spoken to him, then let's not fight against God. Well, the arguments between the men turned into a fight and the Roman chief captain was afraid that Paul was going to be pulled to pieces in the middle of them all. So he had some soldiers take him away from the Jewish council and they brought him back to the military building. Paul stayed the night there, and while he was asleep, Jesus appeared and stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. Just like you testified of me in Jerusalem, you must now go testify of me in Rome. How wonderful it must have been for Paul to receive comfort from our Savior. Well, the next day, more than 40 Jews gathered together and made a wicked promise to each other that they would not eat or drink anything until the rulers had killed Paul. They went and told the leaders about this wicked promise they had made, which was also called an oath. They told the leaders, Tomorrow morning, have the chief captain bring Paul to you as if you were going to question him again. But then, instead of questioning him, we will kill him first. Well, luckily, Paul had a nephew there who overheard what these wicked men were saying, and he snuck into the room where Paul was to tell him what their plan was. Paul called a soldier over to him and said, Please take this young man to the chief captain. He has some important news for him. So the soldier took Paul's nephew to the captain, and the captain listened to him privately, and then he said, Don't tell anyone else what you have told me. Then the chief captain called two centurions to him and said, Get 200 soldiers, 200 spearmen, and 70 horsemen ready to go to Caesarea tonight. They will put Paul in the middle of them and help him escape to Felix, who is the governor over there. Then he wrote a letter that said something like this, Dear Felix, this man that I am sending to you was captured by the Jews. They wanted to kill him, but I saved him from them because he is a Roman citizen. I tried to figure out why they wanted to kill him by bringing him in front of their council, but they just argued about different points of their laws, and it didn't seem to me that he has done anything worthy of death or imprisonment. I then heard of some Jews who planned to lie in wait to kill him, so I immediately sent him to you and have told his accusers to tell you what he has done wrong. Farewell, Claudius Lystris After the chief captain finished his letter, he gave it to the large group of soldiers and horsemen who delivered it along with Paul to Felix, the governor, that night. After Felix read the letter, he asked Paul which city he was from. And when he found out that Paul was from Cilicia, he said, Okay, I will listen to your story after your accusers get here five long days passed before Ananias, the high priest, arrived with the Jewish elders and a certain orator or speech giver named Tertullus. Tertullus was the one who told Felix everything that Paul had done wrong. He began speaking, "O oh, great and noble Felix!' We are so thankful to you for protecting our Jewish lands, and we very much hope that you will listen to our word about this man. Paul is a pestilent fellow. He travels around trying to stir up contention with the Jews all around the world, and he is a leader of a certain group of men called Nazarenes, who also try to ruin the sacred work of our temple. So we took him and would have judged him according to our law. But then the chief captain Lysias came and took him quite violently out of our hands and commanded his accusers to travel to you. After Tertullus was done speaking, the other Jews there agreed with what he had said. Felix listened to him and then beckoned to Paul that it was his turn to speak. So Paul began, "'Since you have been a leader over the Jewish nation for so long, "'I feel cheerful knowing that you understand some of our Jewish customs. "'You see, it has been twelve days since I went to Jerusalem to worship, "'but since then no one has been able to get me in trouble of any serious thing. "'They didn't find me fighting with anyone "'or bringing contention to the Jews in either the synagogues or anywhere else in the city.' And they can't prove that anything they accused me of is true. In response to them saying that I believe in different things than they do, I must tell you that I worship the God of my Jewish fathers. And I believe what has been written in the scriptures. And I believe in the resurrection of all men. I try to live my life by always having a conscience void of offense toward God and all men. That means that I am not guilty of offending or hurting anyone else. Well, for those who are listening to my story, did you know that this was something Joseph Smith said before he died too? Joseph Smith really loved Paul. So before he died, he quoted Paul and said that he too had a conscience void of offense toward God and all men. His heart was pure and this meant that he could die peacefully knowing that he had repented of any time he had consciously offended or hurt God or anyone else. He knew that Christ had forgiven him and he felt that his soul was clean and that he could confidently stand before God knowing that he hadn't willingly hurt him or anyone else. Do you feel the same way right now? Or do you feel that maybe there's someone you should apologize to? Is there anything that you need to talk to Heavenly Father about to repent and to be cleansed by Jesus? If so, did you know that you can do that today? It's true. You can talk to Heavenly Father whenever you want to. Well, I'll get back to our story. Paul continued defending himself before Felix by saying, after I traveled around for many years, I brought alms, or money and offerings, to my nation in Jerusalem. And it was there in the temple that certain Jews from Asia found me and accused me of all these false things. It's interesting to me that those Jews aren't here before you to accuse me of those wrongs, wrong things. See, I didn't do anything wrong, unless you consider teaching about the resurrection to be wrong. After Felix listened to both sides, he put off judging them and said, Hmm, well, when the chief captain Lysias gets here, I'll know the whole story. Then he asked a centurion to watch over Paul and make sure that none of his friends would come minister to him. After a few days, Felix and his wife Drusilla had Paul come to them to teach them about faith in Christ. As Paul taught them about righteousness and being judged by God someday, Felix trembled because he felt the truth of Paul's words all the way to his heart. But unfortunately, he was not a courageous or humble man. So he sent back to Paul back to prison and said, Oh, I will call for you again to finish your judgment when it's a convenient time for me. You see, Felix was a fool And he was hoping that Paul would pay him to let him go free from prison. So he sent for Paul very often to talk with him in hopes that Paul would offer him money. But Paul never did pay him anything. So Felix left him bound in prison for two whole years. Well, as time passed, Felix's time as the governor over that region of the land was over And a new governor named Portius Festus arrived, and he took Felix's place as governor. Soon after becoming the governor, Portius Festus traveled to Jerusalem where the Jewish high priests and chiefs told him about Paul, and they asked that he would send him back to Jerusalem. You see, even after all this time, they still had a wicked plot to hide on the path to the city and kill Paul when they could. But Festus answered them and said, Um, no. I'm going to keep Paul in Caesarea, and I'm also leaving Jerusalem soon. So if there's anyone here that wants to come back with me in order to accuse Paul, you're welcome to. After a little bit, Festus and the Jews traveled back to Caesarea to judge Paul. As Festus sat on the judgment seat, the Jews made many grievous complaints against Paul yet again, but they still couldn't prove that any of them were true. Paul defended himself against their accusations again, and after he was done, Festus, who was willing to please the Jews, asked Paul, will you go to Jerusalem to be judged by me there? Well, Paul knew how dangerous it was for him to go back to Jerusalem, He knew it was likely that he would be killed. And he also remembered that Jesus told him he needed to preach the gospel in Rome, which was definitely not on the way back to Jerusalem. So he did what he knew could save him from being judged in Jerusalem. He said, "'I will only be judged by Caesar since I am a Roman citizen. I haven't done anything wrong to the Jews, as you know yourself,' so I am not willing to die by their hands. I appeal to Caesar. Festus talked to the council and said, well, I guess we'll just have to send you to Caesar then. And after a few days, King Herod Agrippa II and his sister Bernice came to Caesarea to visit Festus. Now, this King Agrippa was the son of the King Herod Agrippa, who had the Apostle James killed, and who had Peter thrown into prison. He was also the grandson of the King Herod, who had John the Baptist beheaded, and he was the great-grandson of the King Herod, who had all the babies in and around Bethlehem killed after Christ was born. So, do you think that King Agrippa alive during Paul's time was a righteous man or a wicked man? Well, let's find out. After King Agrippa had been there for a few days, Festus told him about Paul's imprisonment there and how he was preparing to send him to be heard by Caesar. King Agrippa said, oh, I want to hear this man's story too. I want to see him tomorrow. So the next morning, King Agrippa and his sister Bernice entered into the hearing room with great pomp and fanciness, and they were surrounded by the chief captains and the rich and powerful men of the city. And then Festus called for Paul to be brought forth before them. Festus stood up before everyone and said, Attention, please. Here is Paul. The Jews want him to die, but I haven't found that he is worthy of death. And since he has appealed to be seen before Caesar Augustus, I will send him to Rome. But I am not sure what I would tell Caesar about him since I don't find him guilty of anything. And it's kind of silly to send him to Caesar without any crimes to state against him. So I have brought him here before you all so you can help me. Please listen to his story and then tell him, tell me if there's anything I can write about to Caesar. After Festus sat down, Agrippa said to Paul, All right, you can now speak for yourself. Let's hear your story. Paul was standing in the middle of them and he stretched out his hand and said, I feel happy, King Agrippa, because I get to tell you all about the accusations the Jews made against me. I know that you are very knowledgeable about our Jewish customs, so please listen to me patiently. All the Jews around here know about my childhood and my youth, and that I grew up to be a very strict Pharisee. But the other Jews seem to have a problem with the fact that I believe in the resurrection. Do you think it's a crazy and possible thing that I believe in the resurrection?" And then Paul told King Agrippa the entire story of how he used to travel around imprisoning any saints who believed in Christ's own resurrection and how he had had his vision of light and Jesus' voice on his way to Damascus and how Jesus had asked him to be a missionary and teach everyone about forgiveness of sins and that they could receive eternal life if they believed in him. Paul told King Agrippa about his missions throughout Judea and the lands round about of his missions to the Gentiles. He said, These are the reasons the Jews want to kill me, but through God's help I'm still alive, preaching the same things that the prophets and Moses said should happen about Christ, that he should suffer and be the first to be resurrected. At this point, Festus became agitated and said, Paul, you're insane. Your experiences have made you crazy. But Paul replied, I'm not crazy, noble Festus. I speak the truth with seriousness. The king knows about all the things I'm talking about. The things of Christ weren't hidden in a corner from the world. King Agrippa, you know about the prophets and prophecies, right? I know you know. And Agrippa looked at him and said, Oh, Paul, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian myself. And Paul said, Oh, I wish and pray to God that you and everyone else who hears me today could be just like I am right now. Except for being tied up in these bonds, of course. You see, Paul just wished that everyone there could know the same things that he knew about Jesus and the peace and joy and love that they could feel if they would only believe in him. Well at that point the king and governor and the mighty men with them all talked together and said oh this man is definitely innocent and Festus even said oh I could set him free right now if only he had not asked to see Caesar oh if Paul had only known well they put him on a boat to sail to Italy to be seen before Caesar Augustus After sailing for a while, the weather turned very bad for sailing and Paul prophesied to the men on the ship about what was going to happen to them. He said, you guys, I have a feeling that on this voyage, many of us will be hurt and the ship will be very damaged. Well, do you think that the soldier in charge of Paul believed him? Unfortunately, he did not. He actually believed the ship owner and master more than he believed Paul. And so did a lot of the other men on the ship, because they didn't believe in the power that Paul had to prophesy. So they decided to set sail and try to get to their destination by winter. As they sailed close close to Crete, which was an island on their way to Rome, there rose a tempestuous wind that they called Eroclidon. They tried to outrun it, but they lost control of the ship, which steered them towards a different island. They fought to get control again of the ship, and they were afraid that they were going to be sucked into quicksand. Thankfully, that didn't happen, but they were tossed about so much by the winds that the water from the waves was coming into the ship. So they started to toss all of the heavy things that were on the ship into the water in the hopes that they could make the boat lighter so that they wouldn't get so much water into it. But unfortunately, the storm did not stop for many, many days, and the men on the ship began to lose all hope of getting out of this storm alive. One evening, Paul came up from the bottom of the ship to talk to the rest of the men, and he said, You should have listened to me when I told you not to sail away from Crete. "'But please listen to me now and be cheerful. "'You see, none of us are going to die, "'although the ship will be ruined by the end of our trip. "'Tonight, an angel came and stood next to me, "'an angel from God. "'And he said, "'Don't be afraid, Paul. "'You must be brought safely to Caesar, "'and God will make sure that everyone who is sailing with you "'will make it safely there as well. "'So, men, be of good cheer,' I believe God and know that things will happen the way he has said they will. Well, the storm stayed a raging and the 14th night came and the men on the ship were terrified that they were going to crash into some rocks. So they cast four anchors out of their boat and they just wished and wished for the daytime to come. Some of them were so scared that they were just about to get on the smaller boats that would get them off of the bigger ship. But Paul said to the soldiers on board, Listen to me, unless every one of the shipmen stay on board, you won't survive this trip. Well, the soldiers definitely wanted to survive and live. So they went and cut the ropes of the extra small boats so that they fell into the ocean And no one could leave the ship. As the next day came, Paul asked them all to eat something. They had all been fasting for 14 whole days in hopes that it would help them survive. But Paul said, it is not healthy for you all to fast this long. Please eat and just believe me when I say that we will all survive this trip. Then he took bread and said a prayer of gratitude and began to eat. Soon, everyone there finally cheered up and began to eat as well. There were 276 people on the boat. After they had all eaten, they decided to lighten the boat a little bit more, so they threw their wheat out of the ship. The next day, they realized that they were near a creek that traveled up into the mainland, and they realized the creek had a shore, so they tried to steer their boat into it, hoping it would keep them safe. Well, the waves coming from behind the ship were so violent that they accidentally ran the ship into the ground and the back of the ship broke. The soldiers became nervous that the prisoners they were transporting to Rome would escape. So one of the soldiers yelled, "'Kill all the prisoners!' But the centurion who wanted to save Paul said, "'No, no, no, we will not kill them.' "'Rather,' he said, "'All right, everybody, Whoever can swim should jump into the water and swim to shore. And they did just that. Those who could swim did swim, and those who could not floated on boards, and some on broken pieces of the ship. In any case, they all made it safely to land. Not one of them was killed, just like Paul had prophesied. When they reached the land, they realized that they were on an island called Melita, And the islanders there were very kind to the shipwrecked people they built them a fire to keep them warm during the huge storm and as paul went to put some sticks on the fire guess what happened a huge snake came out of the fire and sunk his fangs into paul's hand when the islanders saw the snake hanging from paul's hand they were so scared and said to themselves oh my goodness This man must be a murderer. He might have escaped dying on the sea, but now he will meet his death, and God is punishing him for his great crime. Well, Paul just shook that snake right off his hand and back into the fire, and wasn't hurt one bit. When the islanders saw that his hand wasn't swollen, and that he hadn't fallen down dead, they changed their minds about him, and they said to him, to themselves. Oh, he's not a murderer. He must be a god. Why do you think that Paul did not die from that snake bite? Do you think he was being protected? Well, the people on the shipwrecked boat stayed on that island for a few days, and in time, the chief of the island, named Publius, realized that his dad was lying sick with fever and great disease. So Paul went to him and prayed, and he gave his dad a blessing, and his dad was healed. When the islanders saw this, soon they brought all their sick people to Paul to be healed. It was truly a day full of miracles. The islanders honored their shipwrecked guests and gave them many gifts when they finally left. They continued their journey to Rome and sailed to many different towns until they finally made it to their destination. Some of Paul's friends in the church came to meet him in Rome, and Paul was so thankful and gathered courage and hope just from seeing them. When they got there, the rest of the prisoners were given over to the captain of the guard there, but Paul was kept alone with a single soldier watching over him. After three days of being there, Paul called the Jewish chief to him and said, "'Even though I am innocent of any crime against the Jewish people, "'I'm still here in prison, unfortunately. "'I could have been set free, "'but when the Jews decided they wanted to kill me, "'I appealed to Caesar to protect my life, "'not because I believe he could prove my innocence against them, "'but because I knew it wasn't time for me to die yet. "'So that's how I wound up here, (coughs) tied with chains. "'And the church members there said,' Well, we haven't received any letters from Judea about you, and no one has ever showed up here from there, speaking bad things about you, but we want to hear what you think about everything that's happened to you. So one day, many of the Jews in the area gathered together at the place that Paul was being kept. And he explained to them his entire story and testified to them about Jesus Christ and taught them about the prophets, prophecies, and scriptures. And he taught them from morning until evening. And just like every other place he went, some of the listeners believed his words and some of them did not. In fact, they argued a lot about a particular thing that Paul had taught them about which was Isaiah's prophecies about the gospel being taught to the Gentiles because the Jews' hearts would be too hard to accept the truth of Christ's words. That really upset them. So when he taught that concept, they left him. Well, Paul spent two whole years in the prison in Rome, and he saw anyone who wanted to visit him and to talk to him. He always testified to his visitors of God's kingdom and of Jesus Christ, and he did so with great confidence and courage. He also wrote many, many letters to the Gentiles and saints that he had visited on his missions in the years past. And a lot of those letters are contained in the rest of the New Testament. Well... That's the end of the story about Paul as written in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And that's, like I said before, the last of my storytelling from the New Testament, at least for this year. I have some exciting plans for the next time that I do the New Testament stories. So that'll be in about four years when we study the New Testament um, in the Come Follow Me curriculum. But, did you know what book of scripture we are studying next year? It is the Book of Mormon. So, just beginning in January, all our church classes and our families will start to study the Book of Mormon together. And I am going to start some Book of Mormon stories here on this podcast. So, I'm going to take another break for the next few weeks and then I'll start up again in January with Book of Mormon Stories. I'm so excited because I love Book of Mormon Stories. They are some of my favorites and I hope they'll become some of your favorites too. So until then, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year and I'll talk to you guys soon. Goodbye!